the free for all roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Jerry Agar is here, host of the Jerry Agar Show on News Talk 1010. Scott Reed, CDV political commentator, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Uh, Deb Hutton, Manca Lapel at the moment, but uh, we're going to see if we can track her down. Some days there are technical issues, but we're well served. Gentlemen, let's uh, have at it. And uh, let's actually start with this thorny topic of immigration quotas. A new poll says Canadians are not entirely comfortable with the number of newcomers, and they're also uncomfortable with the number of visiting students who are attending our universities. Jerry, it's not an easy discussion to have because, you know, some people are just going to go to a racist trench, but it is a worthy discussion talking about how many people we can actually integrate on an annual basis. Immigration is to improve the country. Um, refugees are a different thing. That's where you're helping people who are in trouble. You don't, you're not helping immigrants. What you're trying to do is help the country. That's why there should be a point system as to what that person could contribute, the likelihood of them being able to uh, not only contribute, but to pay their own bills, etc. And if you bring too many people into a city, you can see what happens in a city like Toronto. So uh, immigration has to be well managed, and I don't think at this point it is well managed. And by the way, I am very pro-immigrant but but you can do a good thing uh to a point where you you've uh, taken it over the other side of the bell curve so to speak yeah scott reed like i said it's and, and as jerry is saying it's it's a thorny discussion but i think we need to have it well we are having it and it's it's being accelerated by the housing crisis um where you know immigration is being highlighted as as part of the challenge but look um i'm largely in agreement with jerry um at this point why are people saying that i think they're saying it because they see that the consequences of higher immigration levels are causing more disruption than uh, than benefit. That doesn't need to be the case. And right now, I do not think that people are down on immigration as a concept. I don't think it means that suddenly we're stoking a bunch of xenophobic fires. But if we don't fix the way in which we support people once they're landed, if we don't do a better job of all levels of government welcoming people, integrating them, giving them the support they need, making certain that if you know, they they can get an opportunity outside of, you know, one of the two major cities in the country, Vancouver and Toronto, that that's available to them, then this consensus is going to continue to deteriorate and it's going to drive a lot of ugly politics. Right now, I think it's a policy debate, but it could get to be something uglier or something nastier if, frankly, the government, particularly the federal government, doesn't take a better hold in terms of uh, providing the supports that are necessary. Deb, your thoughts? We did find Deb. Good morning. Good morning. I was here all along. Um, I, I agree, obviously, with both uh, Jerry and with Scott. I, I just I think when someone speaks up against the system, we need to stop saying that they're anti-immigrant. You can be mad at the system. You can say that the government is not managing it well. And that doesn't make you anti-immigrant. So I don't think this is a thorny discussion. Let's just stop the finger pointing. We have a problem when it comes to student visas. We have a problem when people are um, done their visas and we don't make sure they leave the country. We have a problem when refugees are rejected for their claims and they don't leave the country. So we need to make sure that the system, whatever that number of immigrants is, is actually being managed appropriately. And if you are not following the rules, you need to leave the country.
Let's turn Can to... Can I just quickly yes. throw something in here? Because Absolutely. I do agree with Deb, yeah. except I have experienced, as I have done shows on this, some of the people who are railing on this are anti-immigrant, and it's, this gives them cover. Yeah. Uh, but I think if you pay attention to what people say, you can separate out the difference. Okay, well, let's talk about overt racism, and I find myself somewhat confounded. Deb, I'll start with you on this one, um, that he's pleaded not guilty, even though he says he did it, and he did it for reasons of hatred. The man whose name I won't mention, who is accused of murdering four members of a family in London by running them down. Uh, I mean, I'm just shocked at what was offered as evidence in the Crown's opening arguments. It's obscene. It is. And, you know, sometimes we get topics like this on, on the panel, John, and it's like, what do you say about it? Like, it's it's heinous. It's It's like... I have a nine-year-old. I think about that nine-year-old who is without his family. What does it matter what color his skin is? That is just the most horrific thing I could possibly think about. And, and so I, I don't, I feel like I have nothing to add to this conversation. And, and but man, it's just, it's just awful. Yeah. I mean, Jerry, it doesn't amount to what we like to call a debatable, but I think it's something that people are talking about because it's just so shocking. Sure, but I, I share that uh, consternation that Deb uh, is sharing this morning because, we, you know, when we talk about serial killers, uh, mass shooters, guys like this guy or Alec Manassi and everybody, the reason we don't have much to say is because we literally can't wrap our head around how those people think. They're, they're, they're just they're living on another alternate universe of their own. Okay, so let's jump to other issues that are actually debatable. Uh, how about what I was just talking about a few minutes ago on the show, which is a new survey finds that Canadians increasingly are putting less importance on their work. And Scott Reed, you're a guy who's kind of shaped this phase of your career around how you want to work and when you want to work. So I guess maybe, you know, you can bring some perspective to this. Well, I mean, what you mean by that is I'm self-employed, and so to a certain degree, I get to manipulate my calendar. Um, but last night's a good example. Last night at about 8 o'clock, an issue blew up for me for one of my clients, and that was it for me parenting. Um, I don't know what to make of this survey. Like, I think there's a social bias. You ask people, you know, do they rate work ahead of everything? I mean, I think only philistines say, yes, okay, the appropriate answer is I do. And my children are just, you know, whatever, pillars in the hallway to me. So, I, you know, I don't know how much insight you can really gain from this. I don't know uh, how much, um, you know, benefit we can we can draw from it. My, my guess is to work all day, think about nothing else kind of culture post-war is is easing. But I, I don't know. I mean, my kids, my older kids, uh, you know, bit of, you know, bit economy, all of that. They're they're working nonstop. So uh, whether we like it or not, whether we prioritize it or not, I think uh, work finds its way of filling most of the cracks in most of our lives. OK, well, Jerry, maybe Scott's right that this is a, a question of not luxury necessarily. But, you know, we all have nice jobs that we find very satisfying so we can ask these questions. Then again, I always think that you and I in this particular profession have invested in incredible amount of time in our lives and we keep thinking maybe when i retire i'll get to the stuff i like yeah but i solved part of that problem by getting you to do 33 percent of my job <laughs> okay 
Uh, <laughs> but other, other, other than that, uh, you know, I think there's an element as you get older, so you get better at what you do. And so uh, it takes maybe a little bit less from you to, to do more in, in aspect. You would hope that that's the case, unless what you do is a very physical job. But, uh, but other than that, um, I, I agree with Scott that who thinks their job is more important than their kids? But at the same time, you got to raise your kids. You got to provide for your kids. Like the, it's it's almost like a, a vicious circle sort of situation. Sure, Deb, your thoughts. Well, I mean, I think the numbers in this survey don't really tell us a lot. The question is, do we have a declining work ethic in our country, which is problematic, I think, or is this simply a shift in how we view work? as a priority in our lives, which is not quite the same thing as, you know, kids don't work these days, which is the declining work ethic. And I don't know the answer to that. I do worry that that we have the decline as opposed to just a shift in perspective. Um, I'm not sure what you do about it, but I do think that is bad news for Canadians. Okay, well, let me ask you, though, Deb. I mean, I was venturing before we took a break that one of the issues would be it's not about work ethic. It's about the fact that employers don't show any loyalty to their employees anymore. So why would employees show any degree of loyalty to them? But that's a vicious cycle, right? Sure. That's the problem with that. And that's why I think that they're, the numbers aside and how the questions were asked in this survey aside, I do think that it is signaling something that is problematic. You know, do our kids, does the, the current generation of young workers, does the next generation of young workers value a career, value, uh, as Jerry says, putting food on the table as a priority? Or do we think that, you know, government owes us quite a bit and I have the right to kind of have a big balance in my life? I don't know how you keep an economy fueled if that's the perspective of, of our next generation. And maybe I sound like the old person on the panel, and maybe this is an age-old discussion. I don't know. That really is my question. Um, I think for sure you do, uh, to be blunt. I, and I, I, I detect the exact opposite in my growing children. I think it's tougher to be in your 20s. I think it's tougher to be in the workforce. I think the jobs are more hard scrabble. And I think there's less security and there's less loyalty from employers. And, yeah, sometimes that breeds, uh, well, why would I stay late for my employer? But most of the time I think it breeds, I got I to gotta make hay while the sun shines. And I, I don't I don't detect any lack of work ethic uh from my kids and I don't think they're I don't think they're special. I think it's hard out there, man. Almost 80,000 new members for the provincial liberals and Bonnie Crombie says she signed up 40,000 of them. So uh, Jerry Agar is, is Bonnie Crombie inevitable now? Well, you know, it seemed like that right from the beginning. I mean, she seems like the obvious front runner in this thing. I mean, you never know. Things can things can happen. But I look at this and I here's what stood out to me as I look at this article. Um, she has raised more than $724,000 and she has signed up 38,700 new members. While I am sure putting 100% effort into working as the mayor of Mississauga. <laughs> and Deb Hutton, actually, we don't have to get necessarily into this particular pocket of the debate. But uh, I'm pretty sure it was Dave Agar pointing out to me this morning via text that she doesn't even have to legally quit as the mayor of Mississauga if she gets elected liberal leader. I suspect she will. 
Uh, I suspect so, too, but Scott would have a better perspective on that that, than I would. Uh, A couple of things. I thought we were just going to laugh at the numbers because this happens every single time. And usually when you add all of the candidates, uh, people that they say they've signed up as new members, you add it all up, the membership base is 200% what the local party, whether it's conservative or liberals, say it is. And that's what's happening here. But then Jerry hit on my favorite topic, which is the resign to run legislation that we desperately need in this country. Yeah, I I would question that, actually, though, because, you know, an incumbent mayor runs for the mayoralty while being the mayor. So why can't she run for, you know, another platform while continuing to serve as the mayor? Because, because then the, they're double the, dipping. There's the one point where uh, you're, you, everybody has to run. It's not mayor for life. It's not councillor for life. So that's part of the process. But trying to get another job while you hold this one, no, that's not part of the process. Scott Reed, uh, you, you, know, you can take this in any direction you want because we've got two discussions going right now. Well, uh, I don't like it either. And I think it's a bigger problem than Bonnie's let on. And she's let me know that she doesn't like my opinion on that. But I'm with Jerry <laughs> and Deb on this. Um, and uh, beyond that, I think that Bonnie's indisputably the front runner. Um, but, you know, this system sometimes can be tough on front runners. So the trick is you can't just be a front runner. you got to be the overwhelming front runner so that others can't gang up on you and this sort of proportional ballot system and all that kind of stuff. I think she's going to win. Um, I think that. She's got to make certain that she takes nothing for granted. And I think she's got to be, frankly, I think she's got to be a better candidate. I think she's only been okay. Um, And she uh, she's going to have to be sharper. Ford is uh, all these greenbelt troubles aside. Ford is not going to roll over. And uh, and if she's going to be the next liberal leader, I think she's going to have to sharpen up her uh, performance. Okay, listen, we're out of racetrack. So, Jerry, we'll have to set aside the giant rubber duck for when you and I get together at about nine fifty this morning. But the big ducks. Yeah, I have a question on that. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we'll we'll Well, do that. Who's paying for it? Because it looks like it has a sponsor. Yeah. Well, we'll make an appointment at nine fifty, and you and I can yak about that. I'm a fan of the duck. It's quack me. Jerry's not a quack me duck. Thank you very much, Jerry Hagar, Scott Reed, and Deb Hutton. Catch the roundtable round one at seven forty five, round two at eight forty five. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk ten ten Toronto.